Alrighty, hello and welcome to the Creecast. Thank you for listening as always. I am David, your host here. Uh, apologies, first of all, that there was an episode last week. Um, my habit of leaving it until later in the week, which is just kind of how it's figured out with my schedule at the moment, uh, backfired on me because I got to Friday and on Friday morning, um, the better half asked to borrow, like, so my MacBook that I record on um, is like a 2020. I think I got it early 2021, so it's probably a 2020 MacBook. Um, and it's like USB-C connections, which is what everyone's going to be going to, apparently, I guess. But, you know, anyway, yeah, everything's basically USB, um, the USB 2.0 or whatever it is still, like the classic USB connection. So my uh, microphone that I record on, um, I have to utilize like a USB, like the classic USB to USB-C um, little connector cable to connect it to my laptop. So I've always, I've pretty much always got that connected to my microphone because I don't, I don't use it for too much else apart from occasionally backing things up onto a uh, external hard drive. Um, and my wife has a similar MacBook. She's got a, she's got an Air from a similar time, which has got the same connectivity issue with the USB-C. Um, and she has a connector of her own, but she of course she left it at work, um, which is great. And she wanted to use, she wanted to print something at home that morning so oh can i borrow you oh man and she's she's all oh i left my thing at work i can't connect to the printer i was like oh you can borrow mine and, you know husband to the rescue um and then of course and this is no 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 fault on her really it's just like she used it and then habit of just throwing well this is ironic because she says it's habit to throw the connector into a laptop case after she's used it with her laptop she somehow left her other one at work. Hmm. And the plot thickens. Anyway, she t- she took it to work with her, and then I, I was like, you know, sitting around. Got to about midday. I'd had my breakfast. I was like, oh, well, I'll get the recording out, and then it'll be out uh, for the Saturday morning for the listeners. Um, you know, get it all done. And I grabbed the microphone. The connector's not on there. I look at the nightstand and a few other spots that it would have been thrown. Kitchen table where she was for printing her thing out look at the printer cable and I go oh no it's at work with her <laughs> so I just was like no nah, I'm not even gonna buy I could oh, if I thought about just recording it onto my iPhone I was just like no I'm not gonna I just I'll just do a couple of podcasts this week so um yeah apologies for that uh so there was no real preview for the Fremantle game or review of the GWS game uh but you know that's that's life as an amateur podcaster right so um yeah, but apologies anyway. I've been, I've been trying to stick to at least having one a week out there, so uh, that's that's my bad for last week. This week, there'll be a couple. I'm going to record today, uh, obviously. Today, I'm going to talk about uh, the result from the weekend. Um, a good result, not a memorable one, but a good result, I think. Um, not a game that'll be rewatched uh, by too many unless you're a real, real purist. And, you know, to be fair... Uh, I do have a plan uh, for next year to go through and try and watch as many of our games from 2004 as possible and comment on them. And there's going to be some there that it won't be too much fun to watch. Uh, I'm sure nostalgia will make the memories of some of them a lot better than they actually are. Though there's some plenty of good wins in our premiership year, obviously. But um, yeah, it's uh, not going to be one that will be rewatched by too many, I wouldn't think. Um, I certainly haven't gone back and rewatched it yet. I watched it live. Thankfully, I was able to watch it live. Um, and uh, yeah. It was one of those results, though, that, uh, you know, having won our first game, I'm just trying to think who brought it up. Someone brought it up on Twitter. 
few people have, but I'm trying to think of the first person. It might have been uh, Alessiani, Anthony Alessiani, of course, the pair. Does great work. I think he mentioned sometime after the game um, that it was their first win at Optus, uh, which kind of, I, you know, because we've won over there before um, in the past at the old uh, old Subiaco, I've kind of forgotten that since the move to the, that stadium had happened. I know we've won over there against the Eagles um, since Optus Stadium opened, but we hadn't actually won against Frio. Um, I assume that the last win against Frio before that was the, almost the elimination final over there, which was um, uh, not the elimination final, the semi-final uh, back in 2014, which is a, a memorable result, one that I do occasionally rewatch. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's look, it was a tough result, but something you've got to grit, you know, good sides in any sport uh, that go on and win championships, whether it be you know, soccer, basketball, NFL. Um, if you go back through the annals of their season um, and history, you'll often find results where they just scrape a win. Um, the great Patriots sides of the Bill Belichick and Tom Brady era, um, having watched them closely, uh, they've as any of those seasons. Um, I mean, shit. You know, go back to when they ended up going on and winning um, against the Seahawks uh, and started kind of the second dynasty of their time. Um, Patriots that year started horribly and um, and we haven't and kind of had a, a blowout loss against Kansas City and had to you know there's the the on to Cincinnati famous quote from Bill Belichick people that don't know NFL are going to be like what are you talking about but the point being that they had some some poor results and they had some you know scrappy results over their time as well um, but still ended up getting it right at the right time of the year now I'm not saying that I think we're you know I'm yeah, I hope but we're in a good position to go into finals anyway, as best as possible. Um, but you know, a scrappy result like this away from home, which is key, I think. Uh, and going going to WA is always tough for any team. Um, and considering some of the other results this weekend, uh, we saw Hawthorne. Uh, Hawthorne have been in some pretty good form. They they th- threw it up again against uh, Melbourne and, and gave them a good test before Melbourne got away from them a bit. Um, obviously, West Coast beat. Um, the Bulldogs over there, so over in over in Melbourne, so that's a shocking result for them. Um, and there was a few other few other kind of close games this this round. Um, ironically, the only one GWS beat Essendon and by over 100 points was um, unexpected. But um, you know, at this at this point of the season, especially when you've got you know some injuries through the squads, all that kind of stuff, and you just kind of you know some teams are starting to you know some teams are out of the finals, some teams aren't. Um, you're not exactly sure where you, you're kind of trying to manage your way into finals while keeping your form as well. Um, and you've got Frio, who, whilst out of the finals race, uh, were a team last year that were expected to go on. And, and, and this year, apart from a poor start, they've actually started to show some form at times. And kind of, and they're trying to figure, they're a young side and they're trying to figure their stuff out. And they, they came into this game wanting to win it, uh, wanting to put on a good display, and, uh, and came out with some really good pressure and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, to have a crack at getting a result against a good side, they wanted to test themselves and put themselves to the test against us, and and they and they brought the pressure and brought some intensity that we, uh, I mean, throughout the game we struggled with at times. Uh, all the holding the ball calls, while there were some soft ones, and while the umpiring was a little bit, you know, uh, you know, worst umpiring of the weekend to be honest, wasn't it? Yeah, I can't think of any other situation at all this weekend in this round of football that could be worse than what some of the decisions against us. Um, I haven't watched the news though, so if anyone could tell me if there's anything else has happened, um, you know, let me know. Uh, obviously, I'm joking, um, but you know, we we did put ourselves in the position to be get get caught at times. Now the consistency the other way sometimes wasn't there, but um, the Frio pressure and and our inability to 
we were just a st- like just a slight step off the pace at times. Like some of that quick, indes- uh, quick, decisive decision making that's um, been kind of the trademark of some of our really nice wins this year, where we've we've you know sliced and diced through the middle of the ground and some good handball chains, um, and got the transition from defense to our forward fifty uh, quite impressively at times. Just what wasn't quite there it was it was a it was, rather than blitzing through the middle, it was a stop and start. Um, kind of stop and have a look, and by then the free pressure was on and the tackle was on, and we're getting just getting ourselves caught in those situations a bit. So it was just one of those games that um, we had to build into a little bit. Obviously, Frio got off to a hot start. I think it was two, uh, it might have been two two or two three to to a point um, at one point at the start there. But you know, from that, that that point on, when you look at the final score, you go, well, we kicked eleven of the next seventeen goals to make sure we won the game. Um, got ourselves out to almost a five-goal lead, uh, late third quarter, early fourth quarter, I think, and uh, end up winning by 16 points. Just had the answers at time. You know, Frio kept on trying to push. Uh, I think it was, yeah, early in the fourth quarter, we got ourselves out to a, a handy lead, and I kind of thought, I think the way our side's built, um, we'll be all right here. And we were. Frio kept on coming. They kept on trying to uh, find inroads into the game. Um, and that last quarter, they certainly didn't give up. They didn't, you know, down tools. They kept on going and, and got a couple of goals and got themselves back, you know, within 15, 16. And, but we just always have it, you know, Darcy Byrne-Jones popped up with a couple of good goals. Um, that one from the boundary particularly was a, a highlight. Um, and we just found answers. And that's sometimes what you've got to do at this point of the season. Any point of the season, sometimes you're going to come up against a side. You're away from home. It's a long travel. It's a big travel, big travel game. Um, and it's no excuse to be put on a poor performance, but sometimes it just doesn't all click on the day. You know, sports isn't linear. Um, there's reasons. Uh, there's just there's just things that happen that make a game tough, and 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 you know you're not quite clicking. Everyone's not quite on the same page. You know, we saw we saw a bit of frustration from a few of the boys, which some people have said you know have criticised. I think that's good. Um, you know, you see it at grassroots level. Um, I've seen it in my fucking cricket team. You know, he's, people will give you people will give you a bit of an ear bashing at times if the thing's gone wrong. Now, there's there's good ways of doing it and there's bad ways of doing it. I won't say you know, um, but you know, a little bit of frustration here and there from the boys shows that they're they're engaged, even if everything's not clicking, that they're engaged in the result and want and and kind of the desire to get something out of this seat that game in in isolation and then further on there's there's a desire to get something out of this season as well. So didn't mind that. Um, and I don't mind that, uh, you know, it was frustrating to watch. It wasn't fun. It wasn't one of the fun games to watch. Um, I remember sitting there at halfway through the third quarter, and I was quite tired. The game started at like 11.40 p.m. over here. And so by the time it gets to the third quarter, it's very, you know, 1 a.m. or fucking, you know, 1.30 or something like that. And I'm just tired, and I'm like, it's been a long, had been a long Saturday for me. Um, and I just wanted to go to sleep. <laughs> and, and, I was, and you know, an exciting game in the middle of the night over here will keep me up and going. And, and like, I just always, yeah, once it got to the third quarter and got out to ourselves out to that bit of a lead, um, and we, we were never comfortable, but it never felt like we were going to lose the game either. And I was just like, it was just get this over and done with. <laughs> but we did. We got it over and done with. We got the four points, um, which at this point of the season, you know, we look at the ladder. Um, there's... Issues with the percentage is what's going to kill us when it comes to the final um, makeup of the final four, uh, depending on how the results go this weekend. I think we need St Kilda to beat upset Brisbane up in Brizzy if we want to get into the... Um, and then obviously we need to do our work uh, to get into the top two and have that home qualifying final. So, you know, assuming Brisbane probably do the job against St Kilda in, at the Gabba and then, and then if uh, Melbourne do their work as well, we're probably finishing... Um, 
Actually, no, we're probably we're still going to be finishing third, I think. Um, and probably going to be facing Brisbane at the Gabba, unless Essendon an upset. Oh, God, after what Essendon put on the table last week, I can't, you know, who knows what they'll bring against Collingwood. So there's there's a likelihood that we're heading to the Gabba for that first week, which is going to be a tough game. But, you know, you, go, you if you're in the top four, you've given yourself a double chance. There's going to be no easy games. There's, you know, I, I don't subscribe to this, you know, there's some chatter on Twitter that I got involved with some uh, people... Uh, a few kangaroos short in the top paddock about um, you know manipulating your the easiest route to a grand final, which I just just straight up is just stupidity um, at the highest level because you can't you just can't manipulate a route by you know thinking that you should lose a game to try to manipulate. And it's funny because you know four or five weeks ago, um, even suggesting that Collingwood at the MCG was an easier route than get Brisbane at the Gabba would have brought laughter. So it's just like things change so much in footy. Who knows where Brisbane will be in a few weeks and who knows where we'll be. Point being, you just got to keep, you know, don't toy with form, uh, keep winning, see where you end up and then play the games as they come in the finals. Uh, and, you know, Brisbane at the Gabba, if we, if we, you know, if you can can go up there and somehow get a result, then it's a huge result. It just flips the flips the entire you know, finals on its head. Anyway, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but the point being, um, we get the four points, we keep form, we get a, a tough road win against a decent opposition. Frio are better than what their ladder position suggests, I think. I think they just had a rough patch the, this season, and, and just things haven't quite clicked uh, throughout the season for them as well, but they're a good young side and um, have some incredible talent in that side. And, uh, you know, going over to the West and getting a win at any time is always pretty decent. I mean, you know, West Coast this year at times haven't been too much of an opposition over there, but historically going West has been one of the toughest road trips um, in the competition. So you've always got to take the win, especially being that it's our first win against Frio at, at Optus Stadium, which has now been open for a fair few years now. So, you know, it shows that... And we've we've lost over there at times when we've been in some good form as well when we shouldn't have, um, just because, you know, it, it's hard to do. So happy with the win. Not happy, you know forgettable performance um, but there's some highlights in there you know I've, I've gone back and watched that Jason Horn Francis pick up goal um, from that nice Sam Hayes clearance out of the middle there uh, probably 20 or 25 times now I think uh, just every time it pops up on Twitter or Instagram is you know replay it a few times as you do and uh, it's been quite fun to watch that and you know some of the goals some of the goals are quite nice and um, you know Butters had an incredible performance again hopefully three Brownlow votes there and I haven't actually seen the coaches' votes for this week yet. Um, I might have a quick squiz at that when I take a break in a moment. But, um, you know, all in all, uh, and Tom Jonas, uh, which I'll talk about, uh, he, you know, here and out, so he'll be hanging up the boots at season's end whenever that be. At the end of the season, um, you know, he had a good good game despite uh, getting a smack in the head and, and coming off looking like, uh, you know, with the, with the bandage and all that. So, uh, you know, some good signs out of it. You know, what was a, you know, all, all in, you know, Overall, somewhat forgettable game. Um, it was there were some good good signs in there still for a team building towards um, hopefully a deep September run. All right, having a quick look at the stats, we see. Um, I mean, obviously the individual player stats. Uh, we obviously saw that um, Zach Butters was our best on ground uh, with 31 disposals. Uh, Ollie Wines, who um, after probably, I think, the Collingwood game, he only had 13 disposals. He's come, he's, he's kind of rounding back into form and finding uh, his role within this new look midfield um, and has been really impressive in and under. Uh, kind of where he's best, uh, really. Um, you know, he gets an even, even mix of uh, kicks and handballs, more or less. 
Um, and he just looks a little bit fitter again too. Uh, so hopefully whatever his training load and all that stuff has been through the season and doesn't excuse some of the quieter performances, but hopefully at this point, hopefully he's just finding his best form that he can give this season right at the right time of the season. Um, Rosie as well was great. Not quite like the vintage best Rosie, but he certainly early on, I think when we need, we were kind of finding our way back into the match. He was at his best. Uh, but Butters, obviously, with a fucking freakish goal, the one, you know, over the head. Like, it, it, literally, it's just, you know, you're running out of uh, of the, uh, you know, kind of superlatives you can say about Zach Butters at this point. And, you know, he's going to be right up there. I don't think he's going to win the Brownlow, but he's going to be he's going to uh, get a fair amount of votes. Uh, I think yeah, I think him and Rosie will be stealing a few from each other this year, which is, um, you know, it's a good problem to have. You know, we're, we're in a team sport. There were individual um, awards, while nice, uh, still sidelined to the main goal. So that's fine. Um, but it is nice to see uh, Rosie Butters and Wines kind of near the top of the list of, of our best on ground. Uh, Dylan Williams celebrating uh, his new contract with 20 kicks and zero handballs, <laughs> which is incredible. He had 10 marks in the game as well, so really strong hands and and just showing why uh, he's earned that contract, first of all, um, as well as, uh, you know, He's uh, earned the contract, but also um, earned his really earned his spot in the side. And Kane Farrell as well. <laughs> you know, they'd lost in the Dylan Williams being the first player to have twenty disposals, uh, being with no handballs. Uh, is Kane Farrell had eighteen disposals and it was seventeen kicks and just one handball as well. So both of them were taking marks and getting the ball moving by foot outside of the fifty uh, outside of the defensive fifty pretty quickly. Um, yeah, beyond that, I, I, I've mentioned already, and we'll talk about Jonas and his retirement soon. But he had, a, I think, he's just showing that he has a bit to give yet. Um, you know, so he's been maligned at times this year. I've, while acknowledging that he hasn't been at his best, um, I have mentioned at times in the past, you know, probably a month or so ago. I think I mentioned that you know, he seems somewhat of a scapegoat at times for our worst performances. Um, you know, the, the reason we lost some of those games, uh, while he, you know. He couldn't put on in the defensive efforts we've known of him in the past. Uh, I think some of the reasons we lost those games weren't pure, obviously weren't purely down to him and, and people just you know frustration. You look for someone to you know ex- exert that frustration on, but you know he had a pretty good uh, pretty good game and um, showing that he's got a bit to give yet. Um, Pal Pepper, of course, is a real beating heart of this side. He's never getting huge disposal totals. Uh, I think he had 13 in this game, but. Uh, kicking some important goals here and there as well, um, often up and about early. And, and, and especially early in this one, he really drove some of the early running when we were trying to... After Freo had started the game with, like, I think, you know, 60, 70 disposals to 20 or 30, like, we just couldn't get our hands on the ball in the first 10 minutes. Um, Pow Pepper was one of those ones that was really uh, kind of, you know, using his brute force and uh, and just, you know, that classic Pow Pepper kind of game style to uh, kind of, you know hustle and bustle ourselves back into the game so it's one of those games that no one had a vintage performance you know maybe besides Butters I think Butters performance was pretty pretty damn good um, but we just found a way to win and that's um, that's the main thing looking at the stats overall the team stats I found it quite interesting because there's, there's some there's some that are kind of you know trademarks of our side this year there's obviously um, if we go to the the stoppages the hitouts we lost the hitouts you know we have, when have it's been rare that we haven't lost the hitouts this year. It's forty to thirty six, not too bad. Hayes held himself. Hayes went went all right in this one, but the clearances were plus eight, thirty nine to thirty one. So out of the center, uh, twelve to nine uh, our way, and out of the stoppage around the ground, twenty seven to twenty two our way as well. Um, you know, 
two sides are pretty even in the clearance uh, clearance to, uh, clearance average this year. We just average uh, one clearance more a game more than um, Frio in general. So to actually win the battle pretty well with a uh, they've got a decent young midfield emerging. Um, obviously uh, Luke Jackson in there as well. Uh, they're pretty well stocked in that area uh, going forward. So to win the battle, uh, despite our kind of issues with trying to find a stable centre. Uh, with our ruck issues this year and whatnot, um, you know it, that was a, that was a key key component to the win. And I think uh, Horn Francis, while he had a low disposal total, um, obviously that great goal, um, had fucking seven or eight clearances. I think um, I'm just trying to s- scroll through to find where well, yeah, he had eight, eight clearances. So you know he used the ball really well um, with his limited um, amount, fourteen disposals. It was obviously a, a nice magical goal there. Uh, and he's made he's made, making a bit of a name for himself for kicking some stylish goals like that. So, um, you know, but the clearance game is where, like, you know, having guys like that be able to do that. Uh, Drew had seven as well. Uh, and I'm trying to find our next best. Probably uh, wines with four. So, you know, Horn Francis having eight eight of our eight of our uh, you know clearances uh, was really really impressive. So some good performances there as far as out of the middle uh, despite you know the usual thing 21 free kicks to 12 their way so that that's just fucked um that's fine but interestingly um the inside 50s obviously we struggled early and couldn't and we're um, really making the most of our opportunities but it really continued throughout the game 46 inside 50s for frio just 40 for us uh, which is down 17 and a half of on our average for the year 57 and a half so we really and, and it's just emblematic of um our struggles through the middle of the ground in this one like and those moments that i talked about earlier when we we're getting caught with the ball kind of just just stutter stepping a little bit not being as decisive as we have been at times through the year and and just and it just goes to show that Frio were playing a good game style frustrating game style and we had to adapt which is a good test for us and something that we should um be glad we were able to manage ourselves out of and it's the kind of things that we're going to run into in the finals against better opposition so having a little test like this was um uh, quite important, I think, despite the fact that I don't want to watch it again. Um, so, you know, and that inside 50 number is, you know, concerning, but the fact we were able to actually get a win um, despite that uh, and despite struggling to get the ball in in good fashion is, is uh, you know, a promising thing out of a, you know, out of a, you know, a frustrating stat and a frustrating afternoon. Um, so 40 inside 50s for um, our 11 goals. Uh, 11 goals 8 to their 8 goals 10 which means um, you know disposal efficiency between the two sides is 74 to 73 um, but the in- efficiency inside 50 uh, we were ran at 62 and a half which is 12 points above our season average um, whereas they ran at 43.5 which is 3 uh, you know 3 and a half points below their season average so they were going below average we were well above average um, which is uh, unusual for us at times seems if we can get 65 inside 50s we'll, that's when we run at 50 uh, 50% but we really made the most of our opportunities here um, and uh, you know that that is an impressive factor in the side that we were able to find our way and, and you know knowing probably within the game that we were struggling to get good chains going forward that we really needed to make the most of our opportunities and um, that was impressive to see also the, probably the other key one that I, I took out of it was the fact that um, you know we didn't have as much of the ball as as Frio did across the game, but particularly in the contested ball, uh, which you know Frio brought you know 
brought the contest pretty well. We're really hard at it, and obviously we're getting getting us caught holding the ball a few times. Um, but we still came out plus three uncontested possessions, 125 to 122, which, you know, at times in our worst games, it's been quite an uh, alarming factor, and we're never smashing the contested possessions. But you just got to kind of match the intensity and try to go with the opposition a little bit in that sense. And um, I was impressed to see that the numbers uh, bore, bore out that we, um, you know, ended up kind of slightly edging in the contested possession and were able to kind of, you know, bring that style back to Frio after, you know, after, you know, obviously the first 10 minutes, we were, we were a bit... Uh, rough to watch but we we kind of we kind of leveled it out after that so it's a tough it was a tough game to watch at times um for most of the time but there were some highlights in there there were some good performances there's things to take out of it that to be um happy about as we go forward to a you know what's going to be a you know tough tough final series against some pretty damn good opposition and getting a little test like this with some uh, quality players kind of trying to bring the heat and uh and have a crack at us uh, we'll, um, you know, it's going to be something that'll uh, hopefully bear fruit in a few weeks as we go into the finals. Alrighty, so we'll finish off this podcast first by quickly talking about and uh, and just really a tribute to Tom Jonas, um, our current captain, and and now we know that he will um, we will be having we'll have a new captain next year as he will be retiring at seasons end, hanging up boots, and um, as he said, you know, a bit of have a bit of a holiday, a bit of fishing. If you assume a few glasses of red in there somewhere, um, and then a few more. Um, 215 games so far, uh, 94 as captain of our great club, um, and a true, a true, he's a unique individual in the sense that you know he's he's just very um, he's always been kind of this humble. Uh, I don't know if larrikin's the right word, but it seems to, he's just a classic um, kind of South Aussie kid with that you know relaxed nature about him but uh, underneath that kind of quiet you know yeah you know whatever kind of exterior is this absolutely intense hard-working combative no holds barred kind of um, classic Australian rules football defender um, almost in the sense of uh, you know of years gone by um, you know and, and I guess he, he alluded to you know the game changing and you know maybe you know just and him having lost a step of speed um, and in his own self-deprecating humorous manner, he mentioned he was never blessed with um, the greatest of foot speed as it was. But um, you know, when you when you lose that, what what you do have a little bit, um, it makes the game a whole lot tougher. And the game is, you know, he mentioned you know he's played two hundred centimeter high speed fucking forwards that you got to play against. Um, he kind of realised it was coming, but. Um, you know, watching the highlights package that Port Adelaide put together, it's five and a half minutes or whatever on the website and whatever, you can find it pretty easily. You know, you see just uncom- uncompromising uh, tackling, attack on the footy, uh, you know, good good marking ability above his head, uh, ability just to be execute the contest and make it tough on opposing forwards. Um, you know, his, def- his defensive skills were always, and, you know, Ken mentioned it himself, like he, he's a player that came from the rookie draft. Um, he's had to... He's one of those guys that was never naturally, um, and as Ken said, it's not, he, you know, Tom knows what everyone means when we say this. Is like, you know, you have guys that just come up, like, you know, when I was playing footy as a kid, you just had guys that um, you played against that just had natural understand, like this natural innate ability to be, you know, just incredibly skillful. I guess you could say guys like, you know, the Ablets and stuff that, grew, you know, growing up, that you could just see... Um, they had, they had this uh, skill to them that was just you couldn't teach it. It's just they were skilled. And then you have players that are athletic, um, 
you know, athletic kind of have the size and the attri- certain attributes, but the skill, the, the kind of the ability, the skills and stuff don't come as naturally to you. Um, and you have to work insanely hard to learn the skills and, and to, and to um, extract the absolute 100% um, ability that you, you have within yourself, but you really need to, you really need to extract it rather than it just naturally coming out um, as some, some of the more naturally skilled players we have. And I think that's Tom Jonas to a T is that he, he worked hard. He worked insanely hard and he made himself into a 200-game-plus um, AFL player, a captain of one of the uh, you know great sporting institutions in world sport um, and and had a significant impact on our club. And as far as, you know, I still remember um, being behind the goals at that uh, qualifying final in 2020 and, and, you know, Geelong were just absolutely peppering our forward, uh, our defensive 50, um, their forward line, I was meant to say. Um, and he was just repeatedly taking marks, spoiling just in every contest, just frustrating the contest and not having anything come easy to um, to the opposition uh, to Geelong in that game, and and was a, a major factor in the fact that we held on to a I think what did we win that one by 15, 16 points? Geelong could never get themselves within a you know within a kick or two. Um, we just kept them at bay. Um, you know sometimes when you get within that uh, that you know sub you know if you get to six to ten points, you really start getting that sniff and. Uh, we frustrated that out of them, and and Tom Jonas was a big part of that. And um, I remember tweeting the next morning as I, I was just laying, just insanely, insanely, brutally hungover in the um, the quest between Port Adelaide, um, uh, tweeting how you know if Jonas heard someone behind the goals, he just repeatedly just standing up, belligerently drunk. Um, yelling, that's my fucking captain, that's my fucking captain, that was me. And I just remember just being in awe, because it was kind of happening right in front of me. Um, he was robbing Geelong right in front of me. Um, and he was just, just taking these, just positioning incredibly well um, and just frustrating the Geelong uh, defense in that in that game. And I just remember being in awe of that little kind of five to ten minute patch where, you know, it was towards the end of the game and, you know the game had been hard fought, hard tackled, um, lots of lots of attrition on the field. That game it was a real, you know, it was low scoring, tough game, and obviously the COVID year had those, you know, intricacies with the, you know, shorter quarters and all that. But um, the performance he was putting on at the end of that game, when we needed someone to just, you know, players to stand up and and hold the result and hold the line, um, because it was a game that Geelong probably. Um, should win, uh, you know, you know, nine out nine out of ten times, maybe because of the way they played that day was pretty good, and and we played really good as well. But we were we were often playing that defensive game and and keeping them at bay, and, and Tom Jonas was a big part of that. And I think, um, you know, that's a highlight at a good time. Uh, something I always remember as well is, uh, you know, and this isn't a good memory for anyone, uh, but at the end of. The 2021 prelim, when we'd just been absolutely handed handed a new backside, um, you know, just just fucking, it was a terrible game. There's no no point getting into that. But um, wifey and I stayed for the game. Um, you know, I just, I, was prob- I possibly couldn't move because I was that stunned by by what had just happened. But um, you know, a lot of people were obviously leaving early. Um, and you know, to all the other fans that are going, oh, your fans leave. Everyone does it. Um, I'm not one to do it, uh, but you know a lot of people do do it. The only time I've ever left a game early was um, a showdown at um, Amy Stadium, where I was there on my parents' crow season tickets, and uh, and I was just 
copping so much abuse that I was going to turn around and probably throw my hot chips in someone's face if I didn't just step out of the stadium and wander across to the uh, to the Westlake's um, sh- uh, shopping center to uh, calm down. So that's the only I don't leave early because of results. It's it's usually if um, it would be better for my safety and others. <laughs> Not that I'm a violent person, but you know, you, if you turn around and tell someone to fuck off and they start swinging or something, I don't know. I don't know what was going to happen. I was like 19. Um, and Crows fans were just, yeah, I think we were losing by four or five goals and, and the result was starting to become beyond doubt and um, I was, there was, some people were starting to get a bit mouthy around me and I was I was just frustrated and I was, I recused myself from a situation which is the mature thing to do. Um, but, you know, and at, at the end of that 2021 prelim uh, that I stayed for, um, you know, I remember, I can't remember his exact words, I'm not going to pretend I can, I just remember Jonas getting on the mic um, and... Uh, and saying some words, and you could hear the hurt in his voice, and how much, how hurt he was by their performance, and how hurt he was that he was captaining that. And but he, you know, he took it upon himself. Uh, well, whether you know, I don't know if there's a protocol that they want the, the captain to do that or what. You know, possibly that too. But you know, whether they asked him, do you want to say some words? Fact is, he did anyway, and and he spoke well. Um, you could hear the heartache in his voice, and you could hear how much it hurt him to be in that position. But he, you know, leadership is so much about what you do in the worst of times sometimes as much as, you know, it's easy to it's easy to lead when you're winning every game and stuff like that. Um, I'm sure that there is intricacies to the position when you're leading as well because you've got to kind of keep up that, you you know, you can't let people get ahead of themselves and all that. So there's, it's not that it's easy to lead at those times, but I, I, would just, I would imagine without having been a captain of a sporting club or anything like that, I can't, I'm not speaking from experience, I just imagine it's easier to lead when you're, um, you know, winning every week and everything's coming up roses. I think at times when um, when the chips are down and, and things are really rough is when your your leadership capabilities, um, you know, are, are brought to the fore at the at you know it, it's when you're the most important. And it seems like um, you know it hasn't you know we haven't gone to the final step yet. And you know he's hoping you know he, he said the final chapter's yet to be written, and that's very much true. And but um, you know he took it upon himself to you know to speak and and I, i've always remembered that um you know and i even you know gave him a round of applause i know a lot of people didn't thought it was ridiculous that i was clapping in that moment i was you know you've got to give you know these people are human as well and I, and we've always got to remember that so um yeah it speaks to a lot of i think i was just going through instagram this morning and so many stories um from port players which you know is, is what teams do when people retire they you know put up share things and there's lots of little nicknames, little little comments from players, and you can just see the the respect he has from the group. And certainly, um, watching the press conference uh, from Kent, um, him and Ken, there was <laughs> some alluding alluding to his um, his leadership capabilities off the field, um, particularly I think with uh, 425 mil of amber liquid in front of him at repeated instances. And you know, he, you know, players don't hide from the fact that they enjoy beers if they do. Um, it sounds like he's a uh, you know every bit of a leader that he he is on field and and is a quality leader on field that he has that ability in him off the field as well but that's not you know that's not to say that oh he gets around the beer so that's a good thing it's it's the fact that you can you have to connect with when you're captaining a football side or any any side that you're in that position you have to be able to connect to players off field and and in in personal situations uh, whether it be at the club in the training rooms or in the locker rooms or in meetings and stuff like that or if it is just in social situations that's that's part of the whole package of um being a true leader and i think all those little things that they speak to in those moments that ken was speaking to and 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 jonas was um speaking to in those moments as well 
um, just show the kind of player and leader he is. And, you know, it's uh, it's only, what, three or four years that he's been captain, um, or solo captain, certainly. I think what, was they, that um, misguided attempt to have dual captains in 2019, but, you know, 2020, uh, 21, 22, and 23. Um, so four years as solo captain then, I think, if that quick math was correct. And, you know, this year again has brought challenges for him as well. He's had to find, uh, you know, has had to deal with being a captain while also being coming to the understanding that he's not in the best 22 um, week to week. Um, obviously, he's been selected and been quite useful and he's, he's starting to find some form again, as I mentioned earlier, um, reviewing the game. But that brings its own unique challenges because there's, there's certain things to, you know, there's not that he, I'm not saying he has ego, but there isn't, there is, you know, it can, you know, ever all of us have an ego um, in a positive sense. We have, you know, we all have self-belief, hopefully. Um, I struggle with it at times. But, um, you know, you have a belief system within yourself and when you're at your most confident, you're, you're you know, you know, with a good, you know, some days I do this podcast and I'm just in, just don't have anything within myself to actually give to it. I just do it um, and I'm feeling very unconfident about it. And some days, like I've, I've woken up in a good mood today, so I'm feeling okay about it, even though it's probably a lot of babble as per usual. But, you know, we all have this internal belief system that goes up and down. It's like waves, and you know, you know, it goes ebbs and flows through life, as as we do as people through life. Um, and so, Jonas, as a football player, you know, you you built on a self belief and confidence within yourself. You don't get to two hundred games in the AFL without having some self belief. So, um, and certainly as you know, captain being the captain and wearing that number one on your back at Port Adelaide is going to bring an extra little bit of a you know a boost to that central belief system you have within yourself to to be able to perform as a football player and to have that challenged in a way when you you have to come to that acceptance of you know my body's not doing what I'd like it to do as as it used to be able to do as a, as a football player and then deal with the realization that shit I'm getting dropped. Um, I'm not part of the week in week out 22 anymore. I'm, you know, but I've got to keep my body up and and do those things and still be a captain of this club even if I'm not week to week game day captain anymore and and to be that person for the club and and to accept that with humility and um and understand understanding of this is just how life goes and it's no and to understand it's no slight on me as a person or as a football player. It's just this is life. This is, you know, life as a human, you know, has 80, 90, whatever years, hopefully. Um, life as a football player is even less, and he's got 15 years out of it. Um, and as he said, you know, he just hoped at one point to play one game at Norwood. Uh, so his, his kid could be a father-son there, and now 15 years later, he's, a, um, you know, died to the wall, um, one-eyed, pear-eyed, teal-colored glasses, um, black and white um, pylons wearing... Uh, Port Adelaide captain and that's just a really wonderful achievement for him um, and he's uh, and certainly his role this year is um, you know is, is is just another I think feather in the cap of who he is as a captain because I think you know as I said a few minutes ago you know it sometimes can be uh, re- seem really a lot easier when you're winning in all those things and, and you're playing week in and week out and your yeah, form's good and you're getting the plaudits. But when you're, you know, there's articles being written and people questioning your position on the side and then you get dropped and people go, geez, they've dropped their captain. Has that happened? I think I remember pe- people, you know, tweeting at Sir Swamp Thing and asking about captains being dropped and all those kind of things. And, you know, that's it's the measure of the man that he's um, come through that. And, and it hasn't been a distraction or anything like that. It's just kind of just... People, you know, mentioned it when it first happened. And it's just kind of gone away, and he's come back. And when he's been selected again, and 
he's come back into the side and found some form again. And even if it's still not the best, you know, I was watching the highlights package and you just see his closing speed on some tackles and all those kind of things. And then watching the last couple of weeks, um, you know, you just see sometimes when the play goes past, like yeah, he just doesn't have the, as he as he said, not blessed with speed anyway. Um, uh, to one thing, but you know, you could just see he's just that little bit more of a step behind. But when he he still tackles well, um, you know, there's good tackles against Gideon, but that tackle on Canelio, I think last week, um, and then some great some great moments this week as well. Um, but you saw in the highlights package some of his tackling and 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 that bump on fucking Darling, I think it was or. Was it Darling or one of the, the start of that highlights package? A bump that he just fucking sends a West Coast Eagle fucking flying through the points just with just a bump, and then you know just some of those things. It's uh, you know you see that, and then you realise he isn't quite the player that he was. But um, you know, or well, that highlights package also showed that for two over two hundred games, he's been a fucking uncompromising absolute um brick wall colossus back there you know he's got one of the more impressive rigs um could be a, you know he looks like a you know it could be a superhero chiseled um the fucking beautiful jawline and all that stuff so you know oh geez i just went you know just went all in on just being um admiring the the rig for the last 15 seconds but you know it's, it's all part of you know defend the defender build and what what who, who he was um is um, incredible makes a good drop of wine too and actually just as a as a way to finish um you know it was really fun to go to the hey diddle dinner um um 11 months ago now back in back when i was still back in sa and um share a wine and he was quite um very very generous with his time and his wine um i think he, he gave me a free bottle of wine just i was probably going to sign up for the wine club anyway and he said well if you sign up here's a here's another bottle of wine friend just came and and then later that night when everything was winding down he we were sitting down and he came and plopped himself next to us and had a chat another chat for a while and gave us the bottle of wine and um obviously being in the off season he was enjoying a few glasses himself and and was really generous with his time and his and his um enthusiasm for both uh he was happy to chat port adelaide footy he was happy to chat wine whatever it be um did a good mocking um of my wife's accent when she when he asked for questions and she said can you give us a ride back to the barossa and he just uh, went off for a moment just um mocking her pronunciation of barossa so uh quite a humorous um individual as well as we saw in the press conference as well as just a, a great captain a great uh, great um servant of the Port Adelaide Football Club and one that will, um, you know, goes, we've got such a, as I've said it many times and I've talked about Port Adelaide history, we're blessed with one of the best histories of any clubs in any uh, world games that there is, uh, whether it be, you know, when you talk about the Yankees or, you know, Liverpool or, you know, teams that have won just a litany of honours across the history of modern sport, um, Port Adelaide's right up there and so there's a quite a long list of Great players and great captains, and and any certain name certainly goes in there as a um, as a deserved um, p- um, important part of that history. Um, particularly when you think about some of the times we've had. Um, he, you know, he came into the side when we were at our absolute worst. I think it was mentioned on Twitter. I for- I'd, I'd forgotten about this until I saw it mentioned on Twitter by a few people. So I appreciate those that have kind of put these little tidbits out there. Um, that he came in when we uh, his first game was when we lost by fucking 165 points to Hawthorne back in 2011. So you know, 2011 and 2012 were hard years, and there were some hard times both on field and, and off field in that time. Um, obviously the um, you know, tragic death of, uh, of John uh, McCarthy in there as well. Um, so he's he's kind of experienced every possible brutal low that this club could have and then um, come through 
and been a part of the resurgence and and the stability building of this club and then um, obviously captain us in some pretty decent times as well so cheers to Tommy um, hopefully there's some um, some pretty good memories to come yet uh, in this season for uh, for him and for the club but um, yeah I don't have a glass of frame because of it's um, lunchtime here, and I actually don't have anything to drink here. Uh, but, you know, I'll be right, um, heading out for dinner later tonight with the wifey, and I wish we had a, a bottle of wine, of Hey Diddle wine, to um, to raise one. Um, we've got some things to celebrate as well here as well, but um, certainly we'll be celebrating um, Tom Jonas and his, his contributions um, extensive so far to our football club and hopefully a few more to come. So cheers, Tommy, and... Uh, that about wraps it up as well um, for this podcast. I will be back tomorrow to record. Uh, I haven't actually done anything on the fact that Hinkley's re-signed, which, uh, so I'll record something tomorrow on that. Um, don't go coming in here expecting any hot takes. As usual, I'll try to bring a bit more calm perspective to the whole thing. Um, so that'll be uh, that'll be tomorrow. And I might do um, an around-the-grounds kind of episode that I'd did one earlier this year and I uh, just haven't got around to it yet, but it's really just any time that I feel the need to just talk about something that's completely, you know, not exactly Port Adelaide focused. Um, I'll do like an around the grounds episode and certainly there's some controversy this weekend, apparently, um, about a certain goal or non, non-goal, which I'll say right now, it's a, it was a goal. Um, the Crows did get robbed, but it's also very funny. Um, so... Uh, it's not actually funny in the sense of the greater scheme of the AFL. I just think because it's the Crows, it's funny because they're all sad. And they like it when we're sad, and then we like it when they're sad. That's rivalry. Deal with it. Um, but, yeah, I'll talk about that as well. And, obviously, I'll have a little laugh at times, but also talk about it in a more serious sense of some of the things that have come out of it and some of the ridiculous statements that have been said, but some of the some of the more reasonable statements about what can be done to be fixed as well. So... Might do both of them tomorrow. Maybe I'll do one and then do one uh, Thursday. I don't know. It's Tuesday here for me. So, um, yeah. Anyway, that's about it. Um, yeah, it feels weird to be doing a podcast on a Tuesday again, but it feels good. All right. Count the pair. Chat to you soon.